Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights. Just a short weekend episode, shorter as I do, but thanks sponsors, Topps Panini, Upper Deck, Heritage Auctions, Huggins and Scott Auctions, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Burbank Sports Cards, Comcy.com, and Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication. I was on Hobby Hotline a couple weeks ago. Why do I do that? Because I enjoy it. It's a live show. I was on with John Newman, as well as Rich Klein, and many callers or chatters or commenters who had their questions addressed. This is just a short excerpt from that. Again, heartily recommend that you check out the live episode when it's live. You can get it as a podcast later, but I'm on probably once a month. Have a good time and you would too. Thanks. Here it is. Look for what the other people don't look for. I think we call it contrarianism. And if you're a contrarian in this business, you're not going to make money chasing what everybody else is chasing. But longer term, if you've done some research and some background, you're going to make more money. You just have to play the long game, as they say, not the short game. I love that. A contrarian, I think, is still going to make money. They're not going to make as much money. They're not going to make the headlines. But it's a safer bet. Again, you don't want to buy something that's cold. If it's still cold, there's probably a reason it's cold. Although I was uh, overhearing a conversation at the show last time, and somebody was asked, somebody said, hey, you got a monster box of commons that I can buy for 50 bucks? I don't care about the condition. And I went, did I hear that? So anything, no matter how cold we think it is, there might be a buyer for it nowadays. It's astounding. Uh, another huge topic this week, price raises. PSA announced an increase across the board. It's not that I'm necessarily opposed to the price increase, but it was literally the first public move we saw once Nat Turner's group bought the company. Now, usually on a business level, they might have been looking and said, hey, if we don't raise the prices, we'll never catch up. We've got a backlog of X million cards. On the other hand, usually your first move as a new owner is to do something that I'm going to use the term in quotes, consumer friendly. There is really nothing consumer friendly about raising your price. It may be right as a business decision, but it may not be right as the PR decision to the hobby as your first move. That doesn't mean it's wrong. It just means that you might have been able to do it a little bit differently. Yeah, I'm thinking like an owner of a company, he's coming in. Uh, I know the people that bought our company back 16 years ago now. People were wondering what was going to happen. I think there was a pretty quick elimination of some positions. And so they got that out of the way. So there wasn't any sort of Damocles hanging over the people. They thought, okay, these people are coming in. They're going to try to tighten the ship, whatever. We were not in an expanding market there. And so they got it out of the way. Some people were given packages and uh, and it moved on. For Nat Turner, he comes in. It's inevitable there was going to be a price increase. For him to wait 90 days to bring in a price increase, I think people would have been wondering. And uh, to me, it shows that he's being decisive. So I, I see it as a positive and there's a ripple effect. There, there was an undervaluation of the value of getting cards graded. You know, what's the ramifications locally for you guys in Texas with the, the governor's announcement as pertaining to the hobby anyway? Rich is more conservative than I am about masking and, and social distancing, but I, I totally respect Rich's position. This could wind up being a super spreader event if people throw caution to the wind. Not everybody's vaccinated. Certainly collectors have comorbidities. There's actually more collectors and dealers of color than there were decades ago. And I, I think that's a good thing. But when you look at this packed in show with aisles that you've got to turn sideways to get through. Again, the governor is going to reverse the mandate if there's a huge outbreak that comes out of Waters Creek next weekend. So I'm hoping people will still be careful, but Kyle is packing them in. 
So if it was just population density, everybody would have it from six weeks ago. The common theme is leaders making decisive judgments that not everyone agrees with. <laughs> Nat Turner, Peter Steinberg, and Greg. So they're jumping out in front. They're making decisions that are not 100% popular, but they're grabbing the, the news. In a sense, you had to make decisions that weren't 100% popular. I was reflecting back on, on an owner's box you had when the price of the magazine went up finally from $2.50 to $2.95. And I know you were probably the last person to say, I'll sign off on that. You wanted to keep it at 250 as long as absolutely possible. So we can talk on that level from those days about what it's like as an owner when you feel that you have to raise a price. In, in private ownership, you can do things that are short-term bad and long-term good. That's a good thing about PSA being private now. Nat Turner is thinking short-term and long-term raising the price is going to work if you're perceived as the market leader. So, yeah, I wanted to keep it reasonable because my goal was to level the playing field and not make it an elitist kind of a situation where you couldn't afford it. But I think two ninety five. now it sounds so archaic that I was holding out for 45 cents. I've told you my slogan was get rich slow, not get rich fast. The whole metric for whether you grade something is based on assuming you're going to get some percentage 10, some percentage 9, some percentage probably modern cards, mostly 9s and 10s. But if grading is 10 bucks a card or 15 bucks a card or 20 or 25 now for SGC or 50, then that decision point is completely different unless yeah. the price of the nines go way above what raw is. What I've learned from Kyle in watching how he's navigated his way through this pandemic is that He's had successful shows. He's drawn big crowds. He's had quality dealers there. Not a lot of emphasis on signers. Increasingly now, a little bit of corporate presence, but mostly card show dealers with great stuff in the room, a good crowd. Like, like I say, that's, that's a lot simpler. That, that's the way the shows used to be with this huge autograph pavilion and breaker pavilion and corporate presence. That's why we're at Rosemont. That's in Chicago at these huge places. But Kyle could probably sell twice as many tables if, if this was perceived as a national, if he had a show in late July that was quote unquote a quasi national. Could he not pull in from around the country seven or 800 dealers? I'm sure. I know he's got one scheduled for June. And I'm sure he'd like on the financial level to move it to a place where he could get even more than 400 tables in. And if he can pull that off, wonderful. I think that would be really exciting. It would be more dealer-focused than autograph-focused. But when Kyle had a couple guests, there were a couple people from TriStar saying, hey, let us know how the autograph things went. So tr trust me, TriStar is monitoring. It's not a huge autograph pavilion, but there'll be a separate room. And trust me, they're asking people they know who they trust to monitor what's going on in the autograph area. And since TriStar runs the autographs at the National Trust me, they are aware of what's going on and they're focusing too. And so in a way, Kyle's show is the guinea pig for everything the national is going to try to do this year. So it's exciting in a way that we are the focus of the hobby. At the last show, there was this couple that flew in from Hawaii because they said, we, we can't guarantee there'll be a national. So we want to go to a show and Dallas should be warm enough. And there were other people who came from around the country. I know in November, it almost had a national feel. I know a guy comes down from Kansas City, who I met through Twitter, and when he had fun looking through my inventory. And so it's almost like been a national-like show, or like the old big shows, the old Willow Grove show, the old Montclair State show when I started. 
the Gloria Rothstein East Coast National, people would come, the old Chicago show, the Lloyd and Carol Torpy shows, all these shows, Bruce and Benita Painter, when they first ran their Chicago shows, I'm doing hobby history here, but the point is, those were all shows that attracted not just regional, but enough people outside the area too. Okay, here's the deal for John Brogy. You can report this back, Rich. Basically, what we've seen in the industry this year is people, we're learning how much people really will pay for certain products and services, grading, first off the line, Dutch auctions. If Brogy runs a Dutch auction for VIP national passes that allow you to be there the whole time and starting at a thousand bucks, uh, for the week, for the four or five days. Actually, I, I can't unsay that now, but I believe it would sell out. Jim, I think you're right. It'll sell out at a high price. Yes. I mean, the VIP tickets were 150. You started at 500. You may sell out at 500. And then the, the rest of the poor dudes have to be there for two hour shifts and then go back out to the parking lot. Well, give them at least, it's a national, give them at least four hour shifts. Okay. okay. Well, I, I don't know how that affects the media pass because that's what I'm going for. As a media pass, you'll probably be fine. As a corporate, you'll probably be fine. But those will be legitimate. I don't think it'll happen, but it's certainly an interesting concept to do. It's something similar to what Panini's done with some of their wax boxes yeah. recently. 